Welcome to the Cyber Ranch Podcast, recorded under the big blue skies of Texas, where one CISO explores the cybersecurity landscape with the help of friends and experts. Here's your host, Alan Alford, President and CISO at Alan Alford Consulting. Howdy, y'all, and welcome to the Cyber Ranch Podcast. This is a very special edition of the show because I have not one, not two, but three brilliant guests. And our topic is one that is near and dear to my own heart. We are going to be talking about neurodiversity in cyber. So uh, rather than me doing the usual introduction, since we have three folks, I'm going to let them introduce themselves. Uh, Let's start on my left. Nate, why don't you tell us about yourself? So, hey, I am Nathan Case. I am currently the federal CISO for Sneak. We do a bunch of really cool stuff with your code and make sure it's safe and everything's great. Um, I've been neurodiverse, or at least known I was neurodiverse since I was about 12. I actually got diagnosed with dyslexia and my wife is a counselor. I swear that was totally by accident. And the reality is that when she's been living with me for the last 20 something years now, she's looked at me and said, yeah, you're also ADHD. So while it's not a clinical diagnosis, my wife thinks I'm ADHD as well. And probably that's not wrong. Sounds good. Ryan, how about you? I'm Ryan Makababad. I am currently uh, seeking employment. Um, And I uh, was recently diagnosed um, with ADHD and was pursuing a autism diagnosis uh, until I lost my health insurance. So, (laughs) um, but I've, you know, like, like most, I think, or like many uh, stories, you know, I, I've done intense research on, on autism and I'm like, oh, that makes so much sense now. Um, so yeah. Otherwise I'm a cybersecurity professional. Um, and I just like to learn all the things. I love it. Lee, how about you? Hey, it's uh, my name is Lee Honeywell. Um, I'm the co-founder and CEO of a cybersecurity firm called Tall Poppy. We do personal and executive cybersecurity um, for individuals and high-profile organizations. Um, I'm based in Canada, and it's funny, you know, I, the intro is always talking about the company, but uh, I was actually diagnosed with ADHD as an adult. Um, about six weeks after incorporating, and it was actually day four of Y Combinator. <laughs> so the journey of starting the company has been very much in lockstep with the journey of figuring out how to make my brain work a little better. Um, lots of lots of victories, lots of defeats, um, but generally trending upwards. That's awesome. And everyone knows me, I think, who listens to this show. If you don't, I'm confused. Um, (laughs) But I haven't shared my neurodiversity story. So uh, speaking of recent diagnoses, uh, I have discovered that I am, in fact, um, on the autism spectrum, which was a massive newsflash for me. Uh, Ran it by all my friends. Most of them were like, yeah, dude, we knew, (laughs) which I always found to be quite amusing. but for me, it's a recent thing. And, and you know, by, by the technical definition, I'm what they call very high functioning. Um, I have since learned in the autism community that high functioning is a lousy phrase. Like this is, this is still the official medical term. This is my wife is a psychologist. High functioning is still what they say in the medical community, in the psychology community. And uh, I've learned that low support uh, 
or high support is is a better phrase to use. In other words, I I rely on less support to be functional is is a better way than high functioning. Makes it sound like somebody's broken if they're not high functioning. Um, so that's the medical term. I, I'm I'm learning to embrace the terms. I am so new to this. I'm still learning the language. Like Aspie, is that a cool term or not? Some of us have embraced it. Some have not. Um, so you know, I'm I'm learning. Um, for me personally, this this was a a bit of a bombshell. I mean, it, it's it's a personal self reevaluation, like. Somebody suddenly tells you you're this thing. Oh, I'm this thing. Well, what does that mean? And of course, you know, being who we are in cyber, we're all nerds that love to squirrel down rabbit holes. And, you know, I'm obviously doing tons of reading and research and all that. So <laughs> I'm, I'm on the very beginning of my journey, but I thought I would share that and open up to the audience that, yes, I am neurodivergent as well. Um, so let's start with a speed round. Let's talk about the positives. Let's start with just some good positive traits about being neurodivergent. Um, I'm going to go in reverse order here. Lee, give me two quick positives about neurodivergence. This is going to sound kind of goofy, but I never get bored because I always get distracted and move on to something else. Nice. I think I'm like clinically incapable of being bored. Um, and I think the other one is... Uh, which is probably related to the first one is thinking a couple of steps ahead in the sort of like web of connections. Um, I've, I've joked many times over the years that my brain is an offline cache of everything I've ever read on Wikipedia. Um, but it's pretty accurate. <laughs> like any, if I read it on Wikipedia, I probably will be able to like tell you a story about that thing. Um, and there's always that sort of like three hops, different connection from anything that comes up which probably is why I never get bored. I love it. That's that's two great answers. Ryan, how about you? Um, so I guess the first one, um, I feel like I can learn anything. Um, so that is actually both like a plus and a minus because, you know, sometimes I don't hire professionals because I can do that. I just need to look up some YouTube videos. Um, and that takes a lot of time, uh, but it saves a lot of money sometimes but also sometimes it costs a lot of money um, when I mess up. <laughs> but so it's a good and bad thing, but it's an always learning journey. So that's pretty awesome. Uh, the other thing is that, and my brain just blipped because I totally forgot what I had in my head. Ladies and gentlemen, a live demonstration. This is the problem with doing this at the end of the day when all of our meds have worn off. Right. Cortisol right. is way up. Right? <laughs> I am. I, uh, I think that being um, neurodivergent kind of allows you to be um, more open to other types of people that are different than you, because like mm -hmm. being uh, autistic is going to look completely different for me than it is going to be for you. Um, and, you know, it can it can differ based off of gender, upbringing, whatever. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that, uh, you know, that that makes us more kind of accepting of other people. I also find like, Indies tend to be a lot more fun because because <laughs> we're always getting distracted. So it's like, you know, you get you where it's like birds of a feather, right? We we attract each other. And so we, you get us in a group and it's just it's it's an awesome time. You know, lots of ideas being thrown around and we figure something out. I love it. I love it. All right, Nate, you got two for us. Yeah, sure. So I started looking at it like stream input. 
um, like trying to handle my brain like a computer and try to figure out how it works from the point of view of coding, like in my head, if you will. So for me, I, I've realized very much what both Lee and Ryan have, have realized that I have no no limit to the amount of data that I can take in. So I do incident response a lot. I do a lot of CISO types of things when it comes to compliance and regulatory and all that, but I can put it all in my head, just like Lee said, and I can figure out where the things fit and do what I like to think more like, think about more like um, kind of node computing or graph computing database in my skull, as opposed to having to sit and read a book about it and then make a worksheet on it. So I think there's definitely stream processing that goes into that. Um, when we talk about like being able to pick something up, I think the thing that starts coming out on the side is that, so I, I picked up woodworking, uh, about 15 years ago and cool, no big deal, but it was totally divergent from everything else we, I had done in the, in my life, but I was able to take things I had learned in school about physics and things I had learned in every other position that I had ever held and throw that into woodworking and start learning about and correlating that information. But I think it's really neat that we can go ahead and like, and I think one of the things we get from neurodiversity is being able to make those cross cross topical leaps to understand what the next thing is in the topic in in the the world around us yep. without having to do a whole bunch of research. Now that's interesting that the ADHD crowd is coming out talking about having massive data repositories in their heads. Um, on the autism side of the house, what I've learned is, and I've been doing a lot of reading on this, and I've had friends, you know, compare, like I'm already comparing with other friends who are on the spectrum. It's not about the data models in our head. It's about the processor models in our heads. Uh, in other words, highly complex system of interconnectivity, uh, constantly at the ready. Um, there may be times that I, quote, unquote, unnaturally interact with the world, uh, what's really <laughs> happening is that I've got this incredibly high-functioning parallel processing, you know, multi-node, um, you know, framework that I'm constantly churning through and, and relating to the universe through. And it means that I can come off, I guess, sometimes as, as, as what some people would consider to be unnatural. But what a benefit. Um, what a cool thing to be able to do to just carry around these massive structures in your head and deploy them as needed. Um, so that's probably my number one. Uh, and number two for me is the hyper-focus thing, which I'm surprised no one else mentioned. Uh, just that ability to just, just I mean, I am focused on the thing, and you can throw bowling balls at me, and it doesn't matter. I am focused on the thing. Um, that's a handy skill. That's that's a catch-22 again, though, right? Yeah. Because you could be hyper-focused and totally miss your next two meetings. Or your next three days. Your call. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. Been, been there. I have, I have learned. I have so had to train myself to live off my calendar and to pay attention to it mm -hmm. and to always be aware within 15 minutes of where I am in space time because otherwise I will blow right through three meetings in a row focused on the thing, right? Yep. <laughs> Yep. I think it's important to mention for the listeners there that several of us flashed our Apple watches yes. at each other <laughs> yeah. as Alan was saying that. The, the, the chat <laughs> on this show is without. lively. Uh, I will just say that we've got a lively <laughs> chat going as well. And yes, Apple watches were being flashed. Mine is, mine is currently charging. Otherwise, I would have been flashing mine as well. I just use I use the alarm on my phone constantly. And my yes. phone is always on on vibrate. My phone is mm -hmm. always on vibrate. But I always use the alarm when I when there's something that yeah. I have to oh, get to. I, if I'm predicting something far flung in the future, like, uh, oh, I got to remember to feed the dogs tonight. I will right there at, at, at 10 in the morning, set the alarm for 515 to feed the dogs in case I forget. Right. Like I live off that alarm. Favorite side of Alexa. Alexa, remind me to. 
absolutely. Nice. All right, so we've covered some positives. We've talked about our own experiences. Let's get into some of the negatives that are out there in the world uh, about being ND. Um, you know, I, I personally, you know, I, I had a post on LinkedIn. I'll, I'll lead with this, and then I'll let you guys jump on it. I posted on LinkedIn about this concept of authenticity. I get told all the time, you're so authentic, you know? And I was like, authentic shouldn't be a, a, a compliment. Authentic should be the norm, and unauthentic should be the insult. Like, you are so unauthentic. Um, and somebody quietly pulled me aside and said, you know, that's a great thing to post on LinkedIn and all, but what about the neurodiverse crowd? Some of these folks can't be authentic because they're they're having to mask on a constant basis. And this was right after I had been diagnosed, right? And I was like, oh, no, I've let my own tribe down. <laughs> so I quickly threw an edit out there with a, okay, I'll get it if you're ND, I'm sorry. Um, but... Um, that got me down a whole rabbit hole as, as, you know, as my brain is wont to do, rabbit holes happen. And I started thinking about hiring practices and I started thinking about people abusing the term cultural fit. And I started thinking about all of these things and this idea that there are plenty of people that are indeed having the mask and plenty of hiring situations where, uh, to Ryan's point, we recognize each other. We, we, we glom onto each other. We celebrate each other. We're more open to these various diversities, but there are plenty of hiring managers who are not. So... That yucky paradigm kind of just entered my brain as like, oh boy, there's 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 some minuses here. I had to, I got to admit, I was hesitant to even do this show because I'm going out loud and proud about I'm ND. Mm -hmm. That took some convincing of myself to even do that. Mm -hmm. So, floor's open. Who's got a who's got a comment on that one? <laughs> Ryan, what do you got? Uh, so I think that uh, you know you were mentioning earlier about um, the language, you know, high functioning. And I think that language is really important um, and that we um, we see a lot of stereotypes um, and people like just just in general that like they're stereotypes. Right. But when it comes to like autism and ADHD, like people will throw out stereotypes all the time. Like, yeah. oh, you know, they expect them to be like expect us to be like nonverbals or for us to be like, you know, Sheldon. Um, uh I hope people get that reference. Um, but, uh, but you know, it's not like that. Like people would never think that I'm autistic, but then I run into situations like, um, like recently where I, I speak very directly. Um, I don't beat around the bush. What I say is what I mean. And if you think that I, I have an underlying message uh, in what I'm saying, I don't. I really don't. <laughs> and so, like, one, one thing that someone said to me and, like, they had a serious problem with me because they kept inserting their own, like, passive communication. And passive – so communication in general is, is one of my, like, passions because mm -hmm. uh, it's so interesting. People – communicate in different ways but passive communication is regional it's 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 familial it's it's they're like dialects from you know between one person and another um but like she was inserting uh you know this passive communication into the things that i was saying and i was like oh. please take what i say at face value because there are no underlying messages. And it was so hard and so challenging. I'm going to try not to 
like get emotional about this because it still is is uh like it's really hitting me hard thanks lee uh everybody's showing me hearts i i I feel the love but but it was just like you know she was telling me that i was being snarky or that like the things i was saying was coming across as condescending and like that's not my personality anyway but like i i looked at all of the things that i said and i was like i don't see it i don't understand what you are seeing because to me it's completely uh like obscure i i can't make those connections because that's a language that i don't speak yeah yeah um lee lee you said in the chat i'm gonna share our little chat i have zero poker face right (laughs) i'm the same way i am the worst (laughs) poker player on planet planet the strategy part of it the aspects of it the mathematical has it the the the, should i bet on these hands or that hand or the other but everybody can see what's going on when they look at my face like like (laughs) <laughs> yes, I have no poker face. The face Sometimes you up. can use it to your advantage, though, right? Because people will think that, oh no, they're bluffing. They're bluffing. No, no right. I really, I really have, I really have a good hand. <laughs> I would put out, you can definitely program or reprogram your your reactions there, and and I'm actually a really good poker player. But as a side note, totally not, not for this particular topic, I suppose. That was conscious investment on your part, though, wasn't it? It was. It was it was a time and effort. But to your point, Ryan, I think one of the things that people don't realize is sometimes we have friends that are that extra special friend and having that person that will tap you on the shoulder and go, dude, shut up. Um, (laughs) Such an important part of your team. Um, Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Come over here and I'm I'm doing the, the curly fingers. Come over here. And then like my friend sits me down, explains to me everything that's actually going on that I have totally like just missed and then you come back and respond to the actual question that was asked as opposed to the verbal question that was asked and oh my god it it takes so long to figure out what's going on sometimes with people especially when there's a specific when there's a specific i think you covered it with this is a specific i'm going to call it familiar familia like you did but like we've worked together for 20 years and we know all of these things and we have all of these like yeah shared context yeah i just none of it Yep. Without that context, it's, it's more challenging for sure. And I, you know, my, my wife will be the first one to tell me, like, I'm a lousy judge of character. Mm-hmm. I, I, I just, I see the best in people. I just do. Um, and I'll bring someone home like, look, I met this awesome person. And she's like, yeah, no, that's a serial killer that you just brought home. You know, it's a <laughs> slight difference in our perceptions of this person. Lee, what did you have for us? Oh, man. So many thoughts. Uh, there's a whole train of thought going on in the background related to the movie Pacific Rim. Yeah. <laughs> this is awesome. Uh, this is actually going back to, Ryan, what you said about um, you know, that interaction you had with a colleague where she was bringing all of this like baggage about interaction and your subtext and your agendas. And the, the Pacific Rim quote is uh, Stacker Pentecost, I carry nothing into the drift. Um, and just that idea that like people are bringing this like these past interactions with neurotypical people and that sort of expectation. And then when we talk about like actually being able to convey to someone like I'm telling it to you straight, like what you see is what you get. Like I'm I'm the Spanish language where all the letters are pronounced the same way. Right. Like when everybody's used to reading English and none of the letters are pronounced the same way. So, <laughs> please no excuse rules. my terrible analogy from spending too much time in Duolingo lately. That's, that's a great analogy. That's a great analogy. Anyway, that's all I got. <laughs> awesome. Thanks. So 
cybersecurity specifically. Here we all are, ND and in cyber. Uh, there's got to be a reason for that. I, I'm confident that, for example, the the hyper-focus ability that both ADHD and autism offer makes brilliant SOC analysts, for example. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that's, pattern, that's, that's a no-brainer. Pattern recognition. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And pattern the ability to just obsess on me. one data feed. Yeah. Well, and, yeah. and, and to dissect things, um, like, I am not a privacy person. I am not a uh, compliance person, but I can hold my own with compliance people and I can hold my own with privacy people because I've read the entire PCI DSS because I was working on a project on Siam. <laughs> like and you so do. I needed to As know about <laughs> data retention and MFA timeouts and all of those things. Yeah. And you have to read the whole thing. Otherwise, you don't get the full picture. Um, and normal, normal, I'm quoting, I'm air yep, quoting air quotes, right now. Air normal quotes. people don't do that. Um, but I think like that's one of the reasons like uh, you know we are so prevalent in the industry is is that pattern recognition, the ability to uh, dissect things, and um, and the hyper focus. But you have to yep. make allowances for that in order to leverage that those superpowers, because if you try to put NDs in a box and make them behave exactly like you know all like the in, industrial America, then right. you're not going to get, you're not going to leverage your, your team the best way that, that you can. You're not going to get the best out of them that, right. you know, like scientifically it says, uh, you know, the, that diverse teams, um, uh, perform better, but yeah. it's not just diversity of gender or, or age or, or ethnicity. It's diversity of, of, you know, divergence, neurodivergence. Let's pause right there for a brief word from our sponsor. Alan Alford here, folks, to tell you that Alan Alford Consulting is now Alford and Adams Consulting. Jay Adams has come on board as a partner, and we are expanding our services as well. Jay is a CISO and veteran security architect of some of the biggest cloud environments you have ever and never heard of. Jay and I are offering fractional CISO, virtual CISO, and interim CISO services to mid-market and enterprise, as well as general strategic cybersecurity consulting. We are so new that we don't even have a website yet. Stay tuned for that. For now, y'all can find us at alanalford.com. That's A-L-L-A-N-A-L-F-O-R-D.com. Y'all be good now. I love it. I love it. It's like um, don't run video games on Linux. That's my metaphor for you there. (laughs) If you want to run a video game, go find a platform built for that, right? Don't run video games on Linux. All right, Lee, what what do you got? You're grinning over here. I was just coming back to, again, something Ryan said earlier about that that learning, like being able to learn a ton of things. And it's there's being a like being a startup CEO always sounds very like corny to say, but like I've been doing this for six years running a company, the number of different like unique jobs. Like I, I did our accounting for like a three month period before I yep. got an adult in the room to like go back and fix everything that I screwed up. <laughs> like that I sh- that's ins- that's bonkers. Right. Like the but being able to pick up um pick up a task and run with it i think is such an essential feature of so many cybersecurity workplaces um because the thing i always like to remind folks is like this field is like less than a, like it's 50 years old on the on the long end right like this we're like inventing this profession every day 
and that's bananas. And I think there's a there's something between like the the tendency towards hubris and hyperactivity plus the ability to learn a zillion different things that like ends up filtering on this particular set of brain arrangements within this field because we really like this is a new you know 150 years ago nobody was doing computer security right i mean they weren't doing computer anything really but right you know what i mean <laughs> was doing his damnedest. Right. they had that the cr- the clanky difference engine at that point <laughs> right. i think but you had, uh, you had one guy with an abacus yeah. Yes. And another guy going, whoa, whoa. Uh, there's a Canadian comedy that. troupe called yeah. uh, Three Dead Trolls in a Baggie. They have an excellent song I recommend folks look up called Every OS Sucks. And the chorus is yeah. everything since the abacus is just a bunch of crap. <laughs> <laughs> right. Which is true. Folks, we've got audio <laughs> tips. We've got music tips. We've got all the tips <laughs> here at the Cyber Ranch. Nathan, what have you got for us? So, I mean, I think the reality is that we all have different skills and I, I'm going to tell a story that I think I've told you before that, you know, it, it fits this in the most absolute way I've ever seen. Invariably, everything I do is incident response. It's just the, it's the trash fire I get pulled into. Mm-hmm. And so a very large military organization once paid me to train a bunch of people to do incident response. And so I gave them a list of these are the people I need. And one of the requests was I need diverse people. And so as we go through this thing and we start talking about how to teach people incident response, this very highly ranked individual marches, we're going to call it 10 for giggles. It's not really 10, but let's call it 10 because it works out. He marches in 10 people, five of gender A, five of gender B, obviously have all been through military academy. And when interviewed, all answer the, the, the interview questions exactly the same way. Is this a good idea for incident response? Everyone shaking their head no. It doesn't work. And as we talk about diversity and inclusion and we talk about all of these things, yeah, I get it. Age, gender, creed, color, all of it. Yes, all of it. But I think to, to Ryan's point, it it has to be everything or you're missing the whole point of the solution that you could possibly get. Yes. And there's a very there's a very interesting woman at Microsoft that did a really cool mathematical formula proof that I could not find between when Ryan mentioned it and right now, because yes, I, I did actually Google. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yes, ADHD. Um, <laughs> at the same time, she was proving the floor and ceiling value based on the total number of opinions in any particular situation. And by having the most diverse populace that you can get, all of a sudden we have the highest opportunity to find a particular threat in a given in a given window of of time brilliant and it it, it really is math and, and it i get it i understand that sometimes i'm hard to work with because i totally miss the point i'm sorry if i rabbit hole in meetings but the reality is that because i do that because people like ryan and and people like lee and and people like alan exist we have the ability to find new creative ways to do a bunch of stuff that if we didn't have people like that we would just continue to do the same thing over and over and over again and make minor progression at best yeah because we jump we we actually have huge steps forward yeah yeah 
I'm, I'm thinking of Lee's story and I'm thinking it, it, it echoes mine. When I was at uh, my last startup, uh, I wasn't a founder, but I, I came on as a C-suite at a small startup and pretty soon I was doing all the things. Um, and I was receiving constant praise for the fact that I could juggle 18 balls at once and not drop a one. Um, <laughs> that this was like, like you, you can keep them all up in the air. You seem to keep them all up in the air. And, and I went back and looked at my LinkedIn reviews from previous bosses and, and there's some common threads that come out. Can, can juggle all the things is a common theme. Uh, super friendly and straightforward with people is a common theme. Um, sense of humor, a little bit off, but a common theme. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, yep. transparent. That's, yes, that's transparent. the $500 word right common, now. You know? Common theme, common theme, authentic self, common theme. Um, it, it seems to me that the ability to juggle all the things is a critical one. And it seems like cyber demands that of us that, that, you know, to Ryan's point, like uh, officially I'm over here in this role, but I better darn well know what these other guys do. And I better go ahead and read the whole PCI DSS requirement to make sure I'm, I'm qualified. Um, you know, the juggling of all the things is a thing in our industry and, and the rabbit hole piece, none of us actually talked about the specific fact that there's a rapid context switch capability there. I can run down rabbit hole a, follow it to its conclusion and go eh, meaningless and go right back to where I was and then run down rabbit hole B and then C and then D. And I can, and I can toggle between these and, and jump back and forth and tie the threads together and spaz out down all the rabbit well, holes. But you're not covering the fact that you did that in less time than it took the guy next to you to say the word the. <laughs> right. That's the other piece of it too. That is the other piece. I remember well, one time we were debugging a software. Down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, that's exactly it. I was, yep. I was, I was jointly debugging a QA thing with a buddy, and I leapt to the conclusion and was right. And he was pissed off. He's like, "You, you can't do it that way. You have to follow the process and do that." I was like, "No, dude. The goal is to save time. We we save time." So I'm sorry, Ryan. You were gonna say? No, I, I forgot. But I, I do have a story now that now that you you said that. It, so I was in uh, I was in the military, right? And um, I had no idea that I was. I was good at technology. That's, that's where I found my love. Um, because I never thought that I was smart enough to do that because you know, all those other people, they're the ones that did it. Right. Um, but I would figure out, um, like during our troubleshooting and stuff, I would figure out what the problem was, but then have to explain it, how I got there. And I'm like having to go through a lot of steps in my head on how I got from point A to, you know, point Z and people weren't keeping up. And, but it's like necessary to be able to, um, like it's a necessary skill that you have to develop to be able to, to teach others. Um, and, uh, this, what you were talking about just reminded me about that. I, I may be dating myself here, the cartoon pinky and the brain. Yeah. I don't think 90s. you're dating yourself with for anyone on the call currently. So, so, so <laughs> we, we all watch that. Yeah, yeah Pink, Pinky would say some <laughs> random thing, and the brain would be like, "How did you get?" There? And they would walk through Pinky's brain and show the random connection of dots. My wife does this all the time with me. She's like, "Okay, you have to connect the dots now. Tell me the journey. How did you get from A to Z? Walk me through well, it. Catch me up." So, with the transparency thing, do you guys actually like? I will occasionally like. I can't remember a thing, and I'll go like tulip flowers. Oh yeah, Rob flowers. And like, I will go through, like, I will out loud say like the, the 50 different graph DB things like out loud, because I can't quite get, to, I can't remember what this person said. Yes. I can't remember what the thing was and then find it. Yes. And then poof, here we go. And everybody's just looking at you like, holy crap. Is that really how your brain works? Like what just that, happened? What that just is happened? how my brain works. I have yes. two, 
I have two related strategies. In one case, um, I will I'll say something like, I'll explain how I got there in a second, but blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. And then I'll be like, now the way I got there was here's the like backtrace. (laughs) And um, the other thing that sometimes happens in a conversation is I will like be talking about something and I'll diverge off to something. I'll be like, let's pop the stack back to where I was and continue talking about the thing we were originally supposed to be talking about. You just had three conversations at at the same time. And and it's... (laughs) It's really interesting sometimes to do that when I see someone else doing the sort of like wandering down the winding path away from what we were talking about, where I will pop the stack back to where we were going and they'll be like, oh, you actually like tracked that route. (laughs) And that can be really cool to like observe in other people and and like sort of when you when you're having that conversation with someone who is also tracking the different branches of the tree. Um, that could be really cool. My, my favorite comedians are the ones who can weave threads through the whole comedy show and jump back to this joke that was made 14 jokes ago and tie it into this current joke. And like, I marvel at that kind of architecture. Like, like that to me is just the best comedy, right? It's architecture. That's how I find my phone every time I lose it is just walking. See, okay, I I went into the fridge. I, I, I went into the laundry room. It's sitting in the cheese All right. So how about how about tips? We'll close out the show. Um, I, I just want to say, first of all, thank you, all three of you, for real, for coming out and doing this. I know it's a it's a bit of a bold and a bit of a brave step to jump on a microphone and say, Yes, I am I'm ND. Um so first of all My brain is spicy. Thank thank you very much, all three of you, for that. Um <laughs> we have uh, talked about pros and cons. We've talked about applicability to cyber. Uh, obviously, just the mere presence of, of the four of us, hopefully there's somebody that's ND that's worried about getting into cyber or maybe they're earlier in their career and hopefully they'll be like, oh, Lisa's CEO. She can do it. You know, like like I want I want all of us to hopefully serve as some kind of example. I don't know. You know, I, Alan can blather into a mic. I can do it too. <laughs> but um, Tips and tricks and thoughts. Anybody who's listening that you think might be worried about, hey, I'm ND and I don't know what to do next. Let's start with Ryan. What's uh, what, what's your advice for those who might be listening who might be afraid to to do what we've just done? Um. Well, I mean, I don't think that you have to tell people that you're neurodiverse. Like for for one thing, like yep. it it's you know, it's the right thing for some people. It's not the right thing for other people. And that's fine. But there are there are different tools that you can use in order to manage that with neurotypicals. So like one of the things that I use and that I failed to use this last time, which probably ended me in um, the state that I was in, uh, was a user manual. I have a personal user manual that I will share with teams and, and teammates that says, uh, you know, this is the way that I worked best. Um, please don't call me out of the blue. Uh, send me a text message first to, to see if it's okay. Uh, you know, and and when I'm speaking to you, I'm going to tell you things very directly. If it comes off as, you know, unkind or, or anything like that, just let me know because I, that's not my intent. So I can reassure you that that's not my intent. But please take it at face value and try to take it at face value because I think that that people, other people have a responsibility to put in effort as well for that relationship building. It should not just be one-sided. I love that. That's good. All right, Lee, you got one for us? 
I feel I you know, I do just want to reiterate that I feel like this field is uniquely suited to folks who get bored easily, um, to to folks that lo- love learning and um, are motivated by a little bit of chaos. Um, I think that there is there is so much damn work to be done yeah. in this profession. Yeah. Um, I I remember Dan Kaminsky joking ten thousand years ago uh, about we put the, the security in job security. <laughs> But um, there really, there's just so much to be done. And then when it comes to the like the the neurodiversity piece itself, um, really like iterating on the kinds of support that I need, and that like, hey, I know I'm still struggling with this set of behaviors or skills that I need to build. Like trying to cultivate that sense of self awareness and feedback from others to be like, how do I how do I actually like get this brain to work a little bit better. Yeah. All right. Nathan's grinning and pointing with a, yeah, you, you're right. (laughs) So I was actually, I was, I was speaking, you're not wrong. I totally agree with you, Lee. But one of the things that Ryan said was self-care. It can be really hard because we get focused so completely on a thing. And I've done, I've done incidents before that stretch longer than months. And mm. some of them are just horrid. And the thing about doing this specifically in response is that you have the ability to focus on things so strongly that you forget to do things like, I mean, I'm going to laughable things like go take a shower, but realistically, like there's mental health things there too, that because of that, you have to focus on how to take care of yourself. Um, there are some other things that as I'm going to go as to one of the more senior members of this call. Um, <laughs> as, as we age, one of the things that comes up quite often is the expectation that we have the ability to communicate better. And so I get it. I'm not suggesting that people mask. I'm not suggesting that people try to pretend or fit in. What I am suggesting is that focus on communication for anyone is always a good choice. And in many of the things that I've done in my life, the ability to communicate short amounts of information with high density of value is something that everyone can can learn from. And being a neurodivergent allows you to see it in different ways and see different opportunities because you are to convert that information into a really substantive thing and pass it along to someone else. I love that. In, in the chat, Lee said, that's a skill we can build like a muscle. Totally right. <laughs> Totally right. Um, Guns. We might have to do a few more reps due to the shapes of our brains to get to the same skill level as as someone with a neurotypical brain. But these are all, and I, I, I was really excited. My, I had an appointment with my GP recently to talk about symptoms and stuff, and I used the phrase pills, skills, and pills. Right? It's it's not just the like medication that helps your brain work better, but it's also like learning the tactical skills and all of this stuff is is learnable it's certainly easier to learn for some folks once they've gotten the right medication dialed in but that 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 like growth sort of it's so cheesy but the like growth mindset thing is so important yeah yeah for me it was a lot of martial arts rock climbing that gave me the ability to have an out physically and then from there begin to track back to things that i was doing other in other ways but Mm -hmm. yeah i completely agree so my tip being recently diagnosed myself is uh, if you can't afford it, go get diagnosed. And if you can't, you know, learn about it anyway. If you suspect you're ND, uh, there's a good chance you are. Um, <laughs> you know, so start start from that position. There's free stuff out there like the Aspie quiz is a great resource. If you just want to get a quick tip on, you know, how, 
how much do I think I'm I'm on the autism spectrum? Aspie quiz. Go go hit it. It's easy. It's quick. Um, I, I've heard real psychologists endorse it as a pretty accurate tool. So there you have it. Uh, if you can afford it and, you know, you got good health insurance, like go get diagnosed. Uh, because data is um, something we're all good at, as we discussed in this show. Data is something we're good at. And having more data about who and what you are just makes your self-hacking um, that much more accurate, right? And at the end of the day, if we're hackers, uh, why not hack your own brain? So that's that's my tip. All right. Well, gang, thank you so much. One thing real quick before we go, and we didn't talk about it on the on the show so far, but if you have a sec for extra content. Yeah. Let's do I'd it. I'd be really interested to know how Lee and Ryan come across to other males that already have masculinity issues, shall we say? Oh. Because, like, like, I get it. And, and I know that. You do know, we have is, another hour for another <laughs> show? I, I really hope to be able to open that up in the discussion, but it, I, I couldn't figure out where to swing it in. But, like, the reality is yeah. that I, I've watched male counterparts interact with a female that is neurodiverse and go, she's, what's the best word? She's overbearing. She's frankly, in many cases. And you look at the guy and you're like, dude, just shut up. You just go, you're missing the point. It's not the, that's not what's going on here. Right. And I get that it's offensive and I I get that it's bad that people react like that. I've seen, frankly, both sexes do it, but I think it's something that, on a side note, really is a thing. And yeah. it's it's hard for me as a neurodivergent to get through to people sometimes because they get frustrated about who I am. I can only imagine it's a billion times worse for you. There are, there's so, so much there. Yeah, we would need like an entire episode. I was, I was thinking the same thing, but I didn't say it because we really would need an entire episode in how it presents differently, yeah. how different yeah. neurodiverse uh, diversity um, present differently in women, how much harder it is for us to get diagnosed, um, and, and, and how we interact with the people around us, the, the community around us. So it's, it's, yeah, it's challenging sometimes. There was a fantastic essay. I want to say in the Atlantic, like 2013 or 14, literally just titled ADHD is different in women. I remember reading that piece and feeling like I'd been hit by a freight train. Of course, it still took me another four years to actually like go and get diagnosed. Um, but that that element of, and especially folks that have inattentive present, inattentive presenting ADHD, um, where it's not the sort of stereotype of the like four year old boy bouncing off the walls. Um, that's you know I, I think there's a lot of awareness today that that's that's a big piece of the struggle, and then I think the sort of gender angle of it when it comes to leadership and workplace interactions. Um, There's a researcher at UC Hastings School of Law in San Francisco named Joan Williams. Um, She wrote a book, I want to say around like 2015, called What Works for Women at Work. And the thing that I, the, the thing I love about that book, I refer to it as um, what, what lean in could have been if, lean, if it didn't suck. Um, and, <laughs> again, directness. Um, Slight to everyone at What Amazon. works for women at work. <laughs> she, she, there's these whole sort of four patterns of workplace discrimination against women and people who are read as women. Um, the the likability paradox you can either be liked or respected and not both and and how that sort of tension like happens in the workplace um 
I think it's I think the intersection of gender presentation and neurodiversity amplifies a lot of these existing biases and preconceptions we have about people. Um, so I'm really, really glad that you you mentioned that because I, I think it is it is very much something that um, is worth paying attention to. And um, yeah, I mean, I think we see it we see it on so many different ways. We react differently to how people exercise leadership. Um, and then even just the language that we use of like dits versus space cadet, right? Like who gets called a dits, who gets called a space cadet? It's, it's disappointing to watch that from this side and have, so it, it came to me when I was at AWS, actually, there was an engineer and she has to be one of the smartest people I have ever met. And to watch the way, honestly, everyone treated her was just one of those, I, I wish she would just say you know, this is the, all of these things that you're reading into this. None of that's actually there. It feels like there's no easy answers, especially when these multiple different things intersect. Yeah. Like there's no, no silver bullets. Yeah. Um, I think some, some of the same tools and tactics around fighting bias in the workplace, whether it's like calling back to something so smart that someone said earlier or like interrupting sort of situations of bias that's some of Joan Williams' stuff and there's other researchers that have done these like bias interrupters kind of thing can be really a helpful framework as a, a past life I used to do like DEI training yeah, stuff, yeah. so that's cool that's cool yeah. yeah I've got um several people close to me in my life who are neurodivergent and female um and it's um it's amazing like you said dits and space cadet those are the nicer examples um yeah. the the some of the tips and tricks we just gave we ourselves just gave tips and tricks about you know be more explanatory about who and what you are you know be more forward and transparent about it let people understand there's no hidden agenda be you know be you know that's all advice that can get you called a <laughs> i mean <laughs> well and it doesn't it always doesn't always work yeah. and this is i mean that's the challenge of advice right is we we speak from our own experience but our experience does not necessarily translate and um yeah it, you know i I think an, an analogy in the sort of the startup world is the the fundraising, the like, there's so much fundraising advice out there. And, you know, from the math, 2% of VC cap, capital goes to women. That advice just doesn't work. So, yeah. All right. Well, gang, again, thank you so much. Uh, Nate, brilliant question at the end. Um, well done, sir. Um, and thank you guys for- episode. There you go. Yeah, we could spend the next four hours discussing U.S. paradigms. Right, Pacific right. Rim. We could absolutely do it. We could absolutely, and I'm I'm more than willing to record more shows on this topic. Yeah. Uh, if you guys want to come back and dig into it. this deeper, I'm, I'm more than willing to have we you. We should do a reprise once you've had a like. I mean, I think there's something to be said for like spend some time percolating on the new diagnosis and see how it changes yeah. your experience sure. of yeah. life. And yeah, Lee, Ryan, Nate, thank you all so much for coming down to the ranch. Thank you for sharing your experiences. Thank you for being vulnerable. Thank you for being authentic. <laughs> and thank you, listeners. Y'all be good now. <laughs> <laughs>